Well, we're in the offseason for football, but you can still pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timmy the Preston. As always, you guys are listening to the Budos Band that's bringing us in. Good band. You should go ahead and check them out. You guys are listening also to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel you can find on any podcasting platform out there. Note, before we get going, go ahead and find us on Twitter. We have the podcast on Twitter now. It's got its own account. It's at PretendWe'reFB because Pretend We're Football does not fit as a Twitter name. Uh, I know we wanted to forget the L in for Tim Preston. Proper. It's, it's the proper tribute. Yeah, exactly. But we couldn't do that. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about the loss to Texas Tech. I know it's probably been a little bit and everybody's forgotten about it. Now, we're here to remind you it happened and uh, talk about what exactly happened. Then, talk about the Kansas State game as Texas came out angry and absolutely destroyed Kansas State. Everything got postponed as soon as we started recording the show, so we're going to talk about what to expect the rest of the way for the rest of the season and what Texas should do now that we've seen them play six games of their conference schedule. What's up, y'all? How's it going? It's been a interesting week so far. Well, interesting day as Texas has their next two games postponed. But uh, that Texas Tech game was um, also pretty interesting. To, to borrow the phrase uh, of our dearly departed co-host, it was very frustrating. Very frustrating. Rest in power, Tim. <laughs> there were oh he's here there were <gasps> it's a miracle <laughs> it's a new year's miracle check the temperature in hell everybody there has been if there's anything this year that has signified how different the season has been it's that a number of people on our website have said uh, after the tech game boy it sure feels like Tech stole that one, but we stole one against West Virginia, so I guess this all kind of makes sense, uh, which is entirely too reasonable of a thing for a Texas basketball fan to say, which means that maybe we're getting somewhere. We're chipping away at that armor. No, I still want to hire Chris Beard. <laughs> I really want Chris Beard. I think he should be the Texas basketball. I mean, he went to Texas, y'all. It only makes yeah. sense. If he could pull off that type of record in the Frank Irwin Center, can you imagine... What he would be like if he was the Texas head coach. They wouldn't lose a game. Not ever. They wouldn't lose a game. Ten conference wins a year at least. Johnny, care to debate? I, I'm sorry, I took a nap. What were you talking about? Uh, Chris Beard, your favorite subject. Oh, yeah. Wish he'd learn how to wear a mask. Uh, I, I realize they don't think coronavirus exists in Lubbock, but it exists in Austin. So maybe, maybe you don't use that mask to cover your beard. Use it to cover your... Big fat mouth. Wow. Harvardaging some feelings, Johnny. But let's go ahead and get into the game. I know, Johnny, you want to get into the politics of the situation. But we're going to go ahead and talk about the actual game that happened. And it is a frustrating loss for the Longhorns. They've had two this year. Both of them two very good teams in the last seconds that they just kind of fell apart. The last minutes. But for Texas Tech, it really didn't seem like it was the last minutes. You could kind of see the train wreck coming towards the end of the first half. They just went on two streaks towards the end of the game. One six minutes where they scored four points. And then at the last eight minutes, they scored seven points. It was just long stretches for Texas where they just could not get their game together. What went wrong during those stretches and even in between them to allow Texas Tech to come back from a, no, we'll even stay in it after Texas scored 48 in the first half and then come back from a 10-point deficit. I thought Tech kind of pitched a perfect game in the second half. Texas controlled the tempo in the first half, got up and down a lot, obviously shot very well from three, just kind of played their style of game that they would want to play against anybody. And to, to play it against Tech is a little bit strange because of all the things that Beard does really well, his teams very consistently control the tempo and play play games at the speed that they want to play. It's it's hard to take them out of out of their preferred style. But that happened in the first half. But in the second half, I thought Tech did a great job of slowing things down. 
Tech got some big shots. And I don't want to say that there was fluky stuff, but, you know, fouling a three-point shooter three times. Jericho picking a, a kind of a crappy game to really fall off the tracks as far as a free-throw shooter. Raimi's terrible, weird one-out-of-a-million <laughs> uh, turnovers at the end. You know, it just it sort of felt like a lot of things that Tech did to dictate what they wanted to have happen in the second half. And then some boneheaded, not good things that also kind of were Texas shooting itself in the foot. I'm not as disheartened by that loss as probably I would have been in previous years. I'm certainly as guilty as anybody, probably the most guilty on this podcast of of downplaying losses just because, you know, how fun is it to be doom and gloom all the time, I guess, or at least to the extent that sometimes... Maybe I should have been. We can ask. We can ask somebody firsthand. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty enjoyable experience. Uh, personally, what what I like the most is when I get into the first say fifteen seconds of a response, and I get to see the light just die in Tim's eyes. It's really nice. That's 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 uh, that's good stuff. So I I just I want to I want to obviously toe that line between that was kind of a crappy loss. That's not a loss that I think should be something that this team, ah, I don't know. Yeah, it, is, it was frustrating. It was disappointing, particularly because you want to beat Beard. I think they said at the beginning of the podcast, now Coleman and, and Febris and whoever else, like all the seniors, are one and three against Tech in their career at home. For a recruiting class that came into Texas with the promise that I think they did, that's that's pretty damning. But Sounds like the football team. Right. Uh, you know, I, I wrote on the website, I kind of did a play-by-play of of the last, whatever it was, like seven minutes. Texas goes up by four with, I think, like seven and a half minutes left or seven and a quarter minutes left. And then it's just like a comedy of errors. You know, three there were three possessions where there were no passes. And all three of those possessions, we came up with no points. There was a weird Ramey turnover at the beginning. There was... Missed front end of a one one by by Greg. There were missed free throws by Jericho. There was missed box outs that we gave them an offensive rebound, just literally passing the ball inbound to them so they can score. <laughs> so that was that was all there. And Tech played a really smart second half. So I don't know. I, I we talk a lot about like alternate unit or stuff. Like, well, what if what if Andrew had never gotten sick or what if blah blah blah. And I, I do think this is one of those games where if, if you stop the tape. <laughs> at seven minutes and say, okay, well, let's play this next seven minutes a hundred times. I really do think Texas comes out ahead on most of those, but this was just one of those games where not everything went wrong because there were a couple of good things that happened, but but enough weird, crappy things happened. You're like, geez, Louise. Yeah, Texas shot over 50% from three. They were 42% from the field goal. They had 40 rebounds. They out-rebound Texas Tech. They had less fouls. They had Texas Tech had two guys who fouled out, one of them being their big guy. You know, and you had, what was it, three guys, four guys in double digits? Andrew Jones getting 20 points too? It, everything looked like it was there, right? But, Johnny, you've been talking about it since the beginning is turnovers. Turnovers really killed Texas this game, didn't they? They got, they had 15 turnovers in this game, and Texas Tech scored. 20 plus points off those turnovers. Yeah, I think Texas is probably going to be at a natural disadvantage in this stat just going forward between the fact that um, they do have the unforced errors uh, on a pretty regular basis and they don't turn the other team over that much. So they're probably going to be at a negative differential on this more games than not. This was a pretty extreme example of it because Tech did force a lot of turnovers and Texas just didn't 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 take care of the ball well enough and some of this I mean if we're going to talk about fluky things frankly at the end of the first half I felt like the lead was fluky because Andrew Jones went unconscious and they're up by 10 but like if it were not for Andrew uh, this is probably a completely different game because other than that, I mean, I, I agree with Tim that Texas was able to force a tempo that Tech normally does not like to play at. But outside of that tempo, 
Texas and Tech were playing a pretty close game. It's like sort of without this Andrew size caveat, there's a good argument that Texas goes into the half down by three to five points or something like that. And that this is the first game I felt like Texas having a lead felt kind of fluky. And so as much as I wish Texas had pulled it out at the end, and as much as, I, you know, there, there were a lot of avoidable errors in the last few minutes that, that sealed it for Tech, or at least I should say allowed it allowed them to have the opportunity to hit a big shot at the end to win it. In some ways, I feel like this is a game that is less about what Tech did and more about Texas letting an opportunity slip away. It's not as huge of an opportunity as it might be in other years because Texas has already built a pretty solid resume on their own. So it's not like, oh God, is this going to put us on the wrong side of the bubble kind of talk or anything. But it would have been nice to have that, not only to have the the win, but put a little bit of a gap between you and Tech in terms of conference standings and that sort of stuff. So it's, it is definitely a missed opportunity. Well, I want to know what's more unprecedented. Andrew Jones going, what was it from three? Four for six from three and 7-11, or Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey going 1-for-12 from inside the arc? It's definitely the latter. I mean, Andrew, Andrew gets hot, right? Like, he's he's known as a very good shooter. Uh, you know, there was a reason why he was getting looks from the NBA after his freshman year and why he started off his sophomore year hitting 46% of his threes, right? Like, he's a really, really good shooter. So I'm not surprised even against a team as good as Tech is defensively, that he went off. It is unfortunate that both Ramey and Matt had a, I mean, a subpar offensive game. They they shot well from outside, but they just... Subpar? Yeah. I mean, they shot well from outside, right? Like, and so that's, you can't ignore that. They They both hit threes. They both hit some shots. But in terms, it but it's sort of it's it's balanced out or negated, however you want to phrase it, by their lack of scoring inside the paint, and that's that more than the free throw shooting, more than those late turnovers, is is sort of what dictated the outcome of this game. Because if each of them hits their even close to their normal two point average, Texas wins this game pretty easily. If either of them makes one of those shots, one of the you know, if they maybe if they go three for twelve, yeah, you know, which is still pretty bad. Or like that Ramey fast break layup that was just a bunny that he that he that he just biffed. <laughs> There's no real other way to put it. He just he just fucked it up for for no good reason. And it, I mean, I get like you're you're going full speed, and sometimes that happens, and it was a little bit of an awkward angle, but that still hurts. He he makes that and. Probably people aren't really talking about that inbounds mistake because Texas probably wins the game. So, yeah, it's, I mean, but this is sort of the the deal when you're playing a top 15 matchup, the margin is very small, most games. So, you know, Texas, Texas gave it away on the margins. It wasn't too long ago. I don't remember which game I probably should have been looking it up while you guys were talking there. Sorry about that. But a couple games ago, I want to say Matt and Courtney combined to go like two for 17. So it's not as if Matt and Courtney haven't had their, have been immune to some stinkers with that. Andrew's shooting 49% from three in the six conference games. So I don't, at this point, you can't really say anything is out of the ordinary with him for shooting well, because that sort of implies he's going to have a two for six game and then a four for six game. So that's, you know, good for him and, Right, we've rehashed that one game where Texas in the 2010 and 11 season played UConn at home, and and yeah, Kimball Walker hit a hit a shot at the buzzer, but like like Johnny just said, there was also the breakaway dunk that would have happened for Jordan Hamilton, but he slipped, and so that kind of stuff happens. It's sports, it's sort of whatever it is, but against West Virginia, Courtney and Matt were just nails on their mid-range games. I mean, they were they were awesome, almost perfect from the inside from inside the arc. And Matt was hitting floaters, and Courtney was making everything around the rim. And Texas ekes that one out. And then in this game, none of Matt's floaters went in, or I don't remember any that did. And Ramey was not as effective. So it's is Texas Tech that much better of a defensive team than West Virginia? Is it just kind of a fluky thing that happens? Is you know what can we expect going forward with that stuff? I I don't know. What I would take from from that second half in particular, and this is something that I've been thinking about kind of a lot lately, 
is I still as good as Matt, as good as Andrew is, I still don't think Texas has a true stud this year. I don't know that anyone on our team is just what you would call a surefire first team All America, but I don't even know that we have an All American period. I think that we have a first team All Big Twelve guy, but if you told me in in a month in Oral in two months that hey Texas doesn't have a single first team All Big Twelve player, I would not be shocked to hear that. It w- I mean that's that may well happen because who is it going to be? Andrew maybe well maybe so, but there's some really good guards in this league, and it would not surprise me if if there, if he's not on there. Greg Brown maybe if he continues his his kind of streak in conference of of double doubles or whatever, but. We are a collection of really, really good players. There's, depending on on what kind of Febris we get back and, and what role he plays, depending on what you think of Kamaka, we have between seven and nine really terrific players. I don't think we have any superstar studs. The difference between a guy like Matt and Courtney and an absolute, you know, player of the year in the conference is games like that where they just where they you know when push comes to shove they're still going to get their points they're still going to be productive and they just weren't and so it hasn't bit Texas because we we do have such great depth and we do have so many guys that can get things done but not every game apparently can't can't always always get through it and so then Tim come tournament time what type of player do you want do you want the McClongs who get your their points no matter the game or the more depth and guys, so that you can, if somebody's not hot here, you have another guy here. Uh, well, which which game? <laughs> can we have Jared yeah. Butler? <laughs> it, I think that obviously, where I'm where I'm a little bit more nervous is the first game of the weekend, because when both teams are when both teams are fresh, when both teams are rested, when you have less of a circumstance of some of those some of the realities of playing two games in three days, when that's not a factor, you want your studs. You want the best players you can have. The second game, I think if we if we make it to the second game of, of whatever weekend we're playing, you have to like our chances. You have to appreciate the fact that we're so fast and so long and so deep. So it's it really is a double-edged sword. But if you're asking who would I take, it, I, you always want the best player you can have. But I, I'm not trying to to bemoan what we've got or to be, you know, woe is me. But I do think that it's as good as this team is, as as well as they played, you do kind of get the impression like, wow, we're a collection of, of really good players, but there is no superstar. As good as Andrew's been. I, I want a Corey Kispert. That's what I want. That's that's the one I'm picking. Like, I, I I really like Jalen Suggs. He's he's incredible. But Corey Kispert on this team would it, it would be just I don't know. I you just I, I go a beautiful mind on that. Like imagining him and and what he's doing with Gonzaga on Texas, that would be something else. Like that that's some you know the final level boss unlocked or something. I, I don't know. That's, I, then I'd be like, yeah, fucking bring on Baylor. Like this, this, this gets really interesting at that point. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying, I was just trying to think of another guy, but I can't, I would like one of four Gonzaga players. Um. <laughs> I would like pick, pick a guy from Baylor. No, I just on philosophical grounds. I can't do that. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say what, well, I'm gonna give me give me Jalen Suggs or Kispert. Uh, th- those would be uh, those would be. Yeah, give me Luca Garza. You know, but, it, uh, I get that he's like this runaway player of the year, and I I don't want to. I I just he is sort of the epitome of the extremely good college player who I don't see having much of a NBA future. Right? Like I don't give a shit about the NBA. Give me a really good college player. I'm okay with that. He's just so. I'm I you know I am frankly impressed how Iowa manages to play the tempo they play with a dude that size as the linchpin of it all right like you know it you would think a guy who I mean he's not he's not super slow but he's not you know he's not Kai Jones right like he's not just flying up and down the court so you kind of feel like they should, you know, slow down a little bit, but they don't really. Like they play a pretty fast tempo and they're really good offensively. So 
you know. It's not pretty fast. It's real fast. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know if they're just hitting him with an eight ball before each half to get him going because, like, he doesn't look, he just doesn't look like a dude who should be that fast. So, well, I'm looking at adjusted tempo right now from Ken Palm, and they're 75th in the nation. I'm, Gonzaga's number seven. Yeah, I mean, 75 is not not bad at all, and, and and given that they are that tempo and as efficient as they are, is is something else. So, whereas. Villanova, who Texas played this year, is 351st in tempo. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's insane. You got to think That's about hilarious. who Iowa plays, though, because the Big Ten is so slow. The Big Ten plays really slow, whereas Gonzaga is going to have, you know, Gonzaga will dictate tempo against everyone they play. That's true. So it's a little bit different. But yeah, I, I, I you're, you're right. But Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I wouldn't turn away Garza. If, he, you know, if Garza was like, I just want to play March Madness with you. I'd be like, fucking come on, man. Bring it in. Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be like, no, we really like Jericho. I'd be like, how good are you at setting screens or, I don't know, fuck it. Just tell us what you need us to do. Are you Rick Barnes? I, n- no. Play inside my system. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Rick Barnes because I have designs on making the final four again. hey hey <laughs> Woo! All right, so, well, there was a bunch of stuff that came, you know, a bunch of bad in the Texas Tech game that ended up leading to the first conference loss for Texas. There was some really good stuff that came out of that game. Again, I talked about it. Going 13 for 25 from three and having Andrew Jones really come alive. The fact that Andrew Jones went seven for 11 and four for six from three in this game and... I mean, I know he had three turnovers, including one where he just basically lost the dribble again. I mean, my God, that dude. Ugh, that's the most annoying part about his game is just the fact that he can't dribble sometimes. But he is coming alive at the right time in conference play. That is something that is pretty... I mean, I know y'all were talking about it. Y'all, y'all basically called it, but having him and Jericho Sims coming alive at this time is something that you can take away from this game and Kansas State that is going to be good for Texas going forward. Yeah, no doubt. I'm a little bit concerned. It's tough to to look at the Kansas State game with Sims and be and think that that's going to be indicative of what we see the rest of the season obviously without without Brock, Greg and Kai. That's that's a pretty significant amount of minutes and and usage that we lost there. As far as Jericho is concerned, I think the more that you give him straight up possessions where you feed him on purpose and say, hey, get us a shot, the more we're going to see him at the foul line. <laughs> so there will be a little bit of that give and take. You kind of you like him more as as someone that is going to be there for for drop off or dump dump offs or for put back dunks or whatever it might be. But from a standpoint of Andrew, I, I hate to kind of to toot our own horns too much, but we talked a lot about in the last podcast thinking about like just the production value of, of what these guys are capable of doing and anything around 40% is just, is just gold. Like if you can be at that level, that's, that's really top level and guys shoot higher than 40%, but it's kind of dumb to to ask for that. But when you have someone that can, that can put together that kind of effectiveness and efficiency game in and game out. And it was one of those things when they had talked about when I was looking up, Oh, well he shot 48% in his last five games. Well, okay. Well, wait, where was Texas State and Sam Hughes? Oh, all five of those games were Big 12 opponents. Okay. All right. Well, that that lends some some credence to the fact that it's, it's legit. And when you can rely on someone who is going to get as many shots up as, as Andrew tends to, to also be efficient, it just opens up your world. Because then all of a sudden, everything that you get from Kai is gravy. And anything that you get from Brock or or even Greg in some respects is, is just, it's just that it's a blessing, right? It's it's just a little bit different than than having to rely on them. Again, a little bit of double-edged sword with Jericho because the more we're using, the more he's going to get fouled, and the more I, I think that maybe, God, I don't want to call it a fragile ego, but the more that maybe some of the his lack of killer instinct might come back to bite us. But from Andrew's standpoint, it's it's just been it's been neat to see him watch because of course you root like crazy for him, but also just to simply see any Texas player, no matter their background, produce like he's been able to in conferences is a huge reason that we're, we've been as successful as we have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would agree with uh, what Tim said. Uh, Andrew Jones being as hot as he's been is pretty cool. Uh, he started seven of 33 uh, in the non-conference games and he has gone 20 of 42 
in the conference games. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that one of your primary perimeter threats shooting 48% from three in conference play is pretty good. I'm going to go go pretty good on that. Um, so one thing we've been talking about all season is having three scores. And I guess now they have four per game, which is pretty nice. Yeah. And almost a fifth per game. But would you say Andrew Jones, who we were thinking was going to be the third scorer, is he now the first scorer for this team? No. I mean, I, I he is he's still the third option. And I mean, I hesitate to say that in that Matt Coleman and Greg and uh, Courtney Ramey are going to dictate how this offense goes. They are going to initiate the offense most of the times. They're going to be the ones most likely to get into the paint. Uh, they're going to be the ones with the highest assist rates. Like they're they're going to be sort of the primary engines. So if you want to say outside of those two is Andrew the primary scorer, then yeah, probably. Um, Jericho is so dependent on people feeding him and getting uh, putbacks and that sort of thing that that he's not really going to be that guy. He he's very good in his very strict role, but um, no, I, I wouldn't put Andrew as the the guy at this point. He is the primary beneficiary of this offense running well, maybe. And he's he's one of the only so guys. He, he's not enough of a creator. I mean, he can create in his ways, right? Like he he's shown a better ability to get to the rim than in some previous years. And he has shown better decision-making in terms of when he puts it up from three than some of his previous years. So... He's multiple enough that he can create in his ways. Um, but I, you know, a lot of that is dictated upon him being the, uh, you know, I'm going to call it the second action in a possession where Matt goes into the paint, kicks out to somebody, and, you know, maybe it's to Andrew or somebody else, and then they get to Andrew and then he drives or whatever. Like it's sort of he's, his creation is building off of earlier actions more often than him being the initiator. So he can create. But it's more of a secondary role, if for lack of a better term. So let's take a look closer at this Kansas State game. And usually you can't take a lot away from Texas beating up on a bad team. It's usually you can take away something bad. However, I think one good thing you could take away from Texas absolutely demolishing Kansas State, even without Greg Brown, Kai Jones, and Brock. Brock Cunningham. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, I forgot your boy. You're on probation on Cunningham Mountain, just for the record. (laughs) I have been for a while. It's a smaller pen at the base of the mountain. Uh, It's a little (laughs) muddy, but you're still on the mountain. But what you can take away from this Kansas State game is after a heartbreaking loss like what happened against Texas Tech is Texas came out angry and absolutely destroyed Kansas State because of their loss. I wish, and I y'all might disagree with me and say it doesn't matter, but I wish Texas would have gone up against a team that has a little bit more of a chance of fighting back against Texas to see how much fight there really was and how much it was just Texas out-talenting them and out-depthing them. But it was at least heartening to see Texas come off a loss and not you know, feel bad for themselves and kind of get right back on the horse and pedal to the metal. Yeah. Uh, short of maybe Baylor, I don't think it mattered. It would have mattered who they played next, given how they came out. Um, it There's been a lot of years watching this program where Texas was, will lose a game that they feel like they should have won for whatever reason. And the next time they come out, Maybe they got some fight in the beginning, and and if it goes well, then they'll get things going and they'll they'll keep go keep rolling. But if things don't go well, they get discouraged. And I don't think with this particular team, given the way they came out, it would have mattered. Uh, again, outside of Baylor, who is clearly the best team in this conference. God damn it, I hate saying that. Outside of that, they came out ready to just. I don't even want to say punch Kansas State in the mouth. It's like they just started waterboarding them from the jump. It, this was a snuff film. It was, I've enjoyed this way more than anyone should enjoy a snuff film. But I, they really just, they just came out and hammered them. It, even when it was 
12, 12, I was like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This game's already over. It's just a question of when. Because they they were they were aggressive. They were running their offense. They were flying everywhere defensively. They clearly were like, we we need a we need to send out a message to everyone that 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 tech thing is not going to hang over us for a week or, or a week or two weeks or whatever, right? Like, it's just it was stunning to me, frankly. I it was just how. They just really came after Kansas State in a way I don't see very often, and it was sort of a, with murderous intent. It was it was really something else. Yeah, not a ton to add. I had a few more antsy moments when it when it got to twelve twelve there early in the first half. I was like, oh come on, what is this? But it was impressive in a way that seems kind of foreign. I just I don't remember the last time that I that I felt like. Texas played, I mean, obviously Kansas State's not good. They're not good. But there have been a lot of times that they, the Texas hasn't come out that well against even, even middle, mid major teams. And, and so to just impose their will like that and to, to play so fast and so, so confidently. And every coach in America is guilty of coach speak and, and every coach has their own vernacular and their lexicon of like, here's the terms they talk about. Like if you come to my tennis practice, you'd hear the same, the same type of, of language over and over. Like, okay, I have these five or six things that I really harp on that I want all my players to be thinking about and to have as our fundamental stuff. And Shaka has, you know, obviously we, we think of a word like violent. Like he talks about playing violently all the time and and these buzzwords that he that he does, like being connected. But another one is respond. He's talked about how, you know, you got to respond. And and that's that's a coach speak that I think every coach in America would would grab onto and latch onto. Now, that's so, so much easier to say than it is to do because response happens both at the micro level and the macro level. You know, response might be, okay, my footwork last time was bad. I'm going to respond by being more solid this time, or I'm going to respond by making the right pass, or I'm going to respond by rising confidently for a shot, or I'm going to respond by by having my energy level up for the next game, or, or like I'm going to respond by <laughs> by taking care of my business in the classroom the next time, and and I think that Shaka wants for that respond to be okay. What's the next thing I can do to prove that I can get better and be and be better and and make a difference for my team, for my program, and stuff like that. And and we have not been a respond program. This has not been a hey, look what we can do next game or or we're out for vengeance or we're going we're gonna to just be that much cleaner, that much more effective next time. But this was that. And if Shaka can, can actually, you know, whether it's because he's got senior guards or whether it's because we're, we're just that talented or whether it's because, you know, he's got the right staff and they're finally getting through to the players, I don't, I don't know what the magic mix is. But if he can figure out how to actually get his players and his team to embrace, we're going to respond. That's a huge hurdle he'll have got, he'll have been able to cross. And it was, it was a lot of fun to see a Texas team come out pissed and come out ready to just like, we're going to fucking murder you. <laughs> that, that's a lot of fun to watch, which is they just, I'm, I'm, I'm later. I'm Johnny and Will, I think are, are done. I don't know the, the end of the Kansas game, even though it's about, 10 10 on Monday night right now. So the game's over, but I'm I'm as is very on brand for me watching watching on delay and they just had a they just had a thing on um on that said if, that under Bill Self Kansas ha- after a Big 12 loss. So after a loss in conference, Kansas before tonight, I'm guessing the fact that that Will and John haven't do- talked to me about it means that Baylor wins. But but before tonight Kansas was twenty-seven and zero after every Big Twelve loss under Big Self, Big Self, Bill Self, and their average margin of victory was twelve point three points. They 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 so did that, not win by twelve point three points. <laughs> so so that's but to to have that kind of sustained response as as their program that's that's gigantic and obviously there that's the reason that Kansas has been the the clear bell ringer for this program or for this conference and this league and one of the best teams in America and when you can get that kind of play and that kind of ability to to step away from some heartache right they had to think that they really really want to beat tech because i'm you know that everyone is aware of of the beard connection to Texas you know that that obviously tech 
is is a huge rival and and to to want that badly to beat that team and then to see it just slip away i think that kind of thing can cause a two or three game hangover for even good teams but there was no hangover it was all right let's then let's fucking blast the next team and that happened which was really really fun to see before we head on to the rest of the conference and in taking a look at the past six games you have to look at them playing both Jace Febris and Kamaka Hepa in this game and see that as Jace Febris and Kamaka Hepa this game in this game and see that as sort of a look into the future a bit, right? And Kamaka Hepa really killed it during this game, scoring 15, shooting five for eight from three. Kamaka Hepa has played 33 minutes and 57 seconds of game action this season. And Will Baker played 191 minutes and 57 seconds of game action last year. And they have the same amount of made threes in their seasons. Uh, One of them did it on 12 shots. The other did it on more than 12 shots. So I'm I'm sort of, you know, I don't want to... I, I don't really want to shit on a guy, but I do sort of kind of want to make Will Baker the metric of, of three-point shooting going forward of, like, how long did it take that guy to hit six threes in a season? Uh, because for Will Baker, it was all season. Um, it was really great to see Hepa get rewarded for his willingness to, to buy into the fact that he's not going to play much this year, that... He's going to be, I mean, he's not redshirting because everybody's got a free year, uh, but he's taking a free year basically. So, but he's, he's going to sit on the bench and he is as invested as anybody on the team. He talks as much as anybody on the team. He's, he's almost like a bench coach at this point. So to see a guy like that get rewarded in a, in a, a shortened depth chart situation is nice. And it's even nicer to see him take advantage of it. Um, as far as Jace, you know, he's, he showed that he is still sort of the same guy he was before and that he is a streaky shooter. Uh, the ball looks good coming off his hand every single time, even if it only grazes the side of the rim, it still seemed great when it left his hand. Um, he, it's great to see him on the court at all because coming back from microfracture surgery is not nothing. Um, and he also showed some, some defensive awareness. He was a little better in terms of rotating and, and keeping the man in front of him. Um, Homie had three assists. Yeah, three assists. He had two blocks, That's- including one from, you know, when he, he got beat and, and managed to get the guy, block the guy at the rim regardless. Um, you know, he showed, a willingness to do sort of the other things. It's he's not just going to be hanging out on the perimeter and waiting for his shot. And even when he got the ball on the perimeter, he wasn't automatically shooting it. He was paying attention to what was around him. So, you know, it, both of those are good positive signs. I, I don't know how much either of them is going to play going forward. It seems like if Texas gets all their guys back from COVID protocol, then Febres is probably not going to play many minutes at all. Kamaka's probably not playing much, at, if any, minutes going forward outside of injury reasons. So uh, it's good to see them both step up when they got a sh- chance. And yeah, uh, at least for Kamaka, it's a it's a look at what he could potentially do next season. I, I don't know if Febris is going to come back or not. If he's going to take advantage of that year, um, but if he does, then there's there's a you know a little glimpse of what he could be. I like that Johnny compared. Kamaka to Will for a couple of reasons because Tim Certainly. really hates Will Baker. Yeah, it, but but one thing that I will say about that, and I and I I'm a big believer in Baker. I think he's going to end up being a, a terrific player, particularly going to I don't know what what conference is it he Mountain to, West? He went I assume to Nevada. That Nevada. So, yeah, yeah. I think Mountain West. So I think in the Mountain West, a guy like him will, should do well. I'd imagine. I think he would have done well at Texas, but <laughs> while. The difference in three-point percentage between Kamaka this year and Will last year is staggering. It's still not as staggering as the difference between how connected Kamaka is to the team versus Will, <laughs> and just and just the 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 way in which Kamaka embraced 
this is a three-time state high school player of the year in Kamakahepa, which I know is not a surprise to people. This is not some guy who is used to sitting on the bench. He was chosen by Bill Self to, to represent Team USA. This is not some guy that that is coming into Texas thinking like, you know what I can't be, what I can't wait to do is go wave a towel for th- forty minutes every night and cheer on someone else's good basketball plays. Like this is a guy that that obviously had a lot of options. He, the homie would be playing at Gonzaga right now. I don't know if he'd be getting minutes there or not either. But this is a guy who who was chosen to be on that team that's that good right now. And I'm really glad that he's here. And I, he's a guy that I that I have professed a lot of belief in in the past, but I, I do think it can be tough for, for fans to understand just how humbling and just how unique it is for these guys to do what Kamaka is doing. Because to go from, to go from being a state high school player of the year, three times to go from having a teams like Texas, like Gonzaga telling you that they want you to be on their team and then to get there and and to realize, man, I, I've got a long ways to go. I've got to figure these things out. I'm going to redshirt my junior year. That's 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 a lot. And it's so cool to see him both make some of those realizations and say, hey, to have the maturity to say, I, I need this. This is going to be best for my team. It's going to be best for me. And then also have the cool ability in this shitty year with these shitty circumstances to come out and play like he did in a game against K-State that, you know, obviously they wanted to respond and he was a direct impact on that. And I think Texas wins by 15 and he has 15 points. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see that, 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 that symmetry with everything. And, and you love to, you love to watch happy stories for, for young people with college games and stuff like that. And yeah, you just, your heart kind of sings when you see that happen. So now Texas is six games through their conference schedule. They're five and one. The, could have easily been six and zero or four and two, but they're five and one. Texas beat the brakes off of Kansas. They they beat West Virginia at West Virginia, and they barely lost at home to Texas Tech. Seems like it's a pretty good start to this conference schedule. You still have, let's say, fourteen games left. What should Longhorns fans expect? out of the rest of the conference schedule from this Texas team now that we've seen what they're capable of in terms of winning and losing? So, I mean, you know, the Texas at most has 12 conference games left at this point. Um, it may end up being nine. It may end up being fewer or more depending on how the rescheduling happens and who gets their postponements rescheduled and who doesn't uh, because Frankly, they're starting to pile up. Um, you know, there are four different teams in the Big 12 right now who have three postponements, and I can only imagine it's going to grow at this point. And actually, uh, the TCU postponements means that Tech finally has a postponement they're dealing with. They were the last Big 12 program that did not have one. So there's going to be a lot of schedule juggling and things moving around and games added at the end and whatnot. So I. Given that we don't know exactly how many uh, games are left on the schedule for Texas, I, I think the better way I would put it is where I, I'm expecting them to end up in the conference. And at this point, it feels like to me that uh, Baylor is pretty clearly in front of everybody else. I, I don't see a realistic way outside of some sort of major injury to Baylor that they fall back to the pack. At this point, I mean, they've got six wins and if Texas only plays, uh, you know, 15 games, then they're probably looking at like 11. So Baylor is going to have to like drop a number of contests to fall back into that discussion. Right. I I guess where I'm at is that Texas seems like they are probably the second best team in the conference right now. Uh, Tech getting McCuller back and having that win against Texas means that they have some possible tiebreaker advantages over Texas. It means that they, they're they rounding into form at the right time, so they could be a, a pretty tough out for Texas. It's entirely possible that Texas loses both games to Tech this year, given that they got to go to Tech now. And Tech, like Baylor, seems to be willing to let thousands of people into their 
their arenas right now, which is an interesting choice. Kansas feels like they might be falling a little bit back. I, I don't know if they're going to fall that far back. They're still pretty good, but they're not Kansas, Kansas. So, you know, after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. Like, I, you know, it, it almost feels like there's a, there's a, a strata that Baylor occupies on their own. Texas, Texas Tech, and Kansas occupy their own strata. And then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia are somewhere below them, maybe not much. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with Texas is I feel like their most likely ending spot is second, but third or fourth wouldn't uh, fourth might surprise me a little bit at this point, but second or third seems like where I'm at at this point. Right. It, what I think is kind of cool so far is if you talk about the obvious response games that we were just discussing a little bit ago, Texas has had two of them. The first one was, you know, the, the, the Villanova loss happens and then they had what, like 10 days and then they come out and just dismantle Kansas on the road. And then the tech loss happens and we come out and, and destroy Kansas state. If you assume that the craziness is not done if you assume that that even more games are going to get postponed and and maybe you play two games in 3 days or maybe you play zero games in 10 days or whatever it might be your ability to get up no matter the circumstance no matter where you play or who you're playing against and to kind of call on that ability to to get ready to rock is going to be gigantic and the teams that can do that are are going to be that much better for it and and I think that why I'm excited about this team with that is I think that we've seen them they're two for two in that standpoint. And I guess I also feel this is probably of any year that Texas has played, this seems like the least likely year that, oh, we're gonna we're gonna lose at Iowa State because they've still got something to play for. Or we're gonna lose at K State because they want to get in there. Like if there's ever been a, a season for teams to throw in the towel it's, it's got to be this year. So I, I I think that Texas is kind of fortunate that I, I, I don't think that we're going to see a lot of like obvious big upsets for anyone in conference. Like I don't – not just because I think K-State's way worse than everyone else, and certainly they, they are, or that Iowa State's way worse than everyone else, and, and they're not very good. But I just don't see the upside for some of those teams in, in – Especially if, as some things have been talked about, so like if there if there is no Big Twelve conference tournament and there's nothing for a team like that to play for, then how likely are they going to be to to want to kind of step up and and get that? So I I like a lot of things about this Texas team to have this the the veteran guards that we have to have the depth that we have to have already shown a couple times that we can that we can step up and respond in a positive way after some adversity and frustration. Yeah, I I like Johnny. I think Baylor is the class of the league. They just are. Fuck them. Fuck everything about them. Fuck the whole uh, every three sixty five. All of those douchebags, but they're really really good. Uh, but I do think Texas is is proving right now that it's that we're the second best team until someone else knocks us off. Texas Tech got a swing I like in there. Three sixty five guys. <laughs> uh, Texas Tech's got a the, got a swing in there, and we'll see if Texas can can come back like last year where Tech won in Austin, and then and then Longhorns won in in Lubbock, and you know, that wouldn't shock me this year. But but obviously. Tech has already done it. Now we have to respond. So, so yeah. I, I think what, what might be kind of interesting in terms of the rescheduling of games is that it, you would think that the Texas-Baylor game would be the most likely one to get rescheduled. But there's a counter-argument, and, I, and my counter-argument is effectively Ohio State's football season, in which the Big Ten did everything possible to twist itself into a pretzel so that Ohio State could make the playoff and could be qualified for the playoff. And I think if the Big 12 is looking at things and saying, okay, well, we want Baylor to be the number two overall seed, and we really want Texas to have a shot at that final one seed spot or be a two seed so that they can get as far as they can because we we want that money. They might say that one doesn't get rescheduled because, hey, we can't find a spot for it. Because if Baylor wins that game, Texas maybe gets popped down to a three seed. Or if Texas wins that game, maybe Baylor gets knocked down a couple pegs. Like there's there's a lot of downside for a game like that from the conference's perspective. So 
I'm just really going to be really interested to see which games end up getting rescheduled. Um, I know it's the, what is the West Virginia and Iowa State game, I think, is the one that's that, that got announced today as being mid-February. We'll see what Texas gets in terms of what gets rescheduled. But that's going to be, you know, sort of the chess match there of what do they think these teams are capable of and do they how much they think these wins will help their resume versus losses hurting it and sort of the math that goes on in the, the background. So I, I don't know that that Texas at Baylor game actually gets rescheduled. I mean, maybe it does, but I could see the argument for why the Big 12 goes, yeah, maybe we'll just let that one go. We, we got too many others. So I think we're going to go ahead and, you know, there's not much to talk about since those two games got postponed. I, I guess next week we'll come back and talk Oklahoma and Kentucky, but yep. Oh wait, let's pretend you're getting to know us. This week we're gonna be talking about if you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you be? Who wants to go first? I think Will should go first this time. You never get to go right. first. We'll have you go first. Uh, you're right. I'll, I'll go first. I was just thinking that. I was like, I never get to go first. This this week, I, this might be something that I don't know if y'all get because we're definitely different different generations here. But I grew up a huge Pokemon fan. And when I was growing up, when I was little, I thought the Pokemon could be real. I asked my mom one day to send a letter to scientists, just scientists, asking them to make a real Pokemon. I thought you were going to say that it was like your version of Santa Claus. No, no, no. I, I, I wish. I wish I was that naive because then I would have had more hope. But uh, I wanted them to make Pokemon. I absolutely love Pokemon. I still love Pokemon. You know, Pokemon Go was my shit until they changed it and ruined it. But that was like the one of the most fun summers I've had was catching Pokemon with a bunch of random people and then pretending hoping that one day I'll be able to battle them and, and raise them. That's what I want to be my life for a week. I want to be Ash Ketchum I, or just ran, some random person in the Pokemon world and live amongst Pokemon and live that life and live that reality for like a week. And I feel like that would be, I don't I'd probably want more, but if I can only have a week, I want to be Ash Ketchum and I want to live that life because that dude lives an insane life amongst Pokemon. And my God, my dream would be to, to be a Pokemon trainer that, oh my God, I can't, I cannot imagine anything I'd like more. So the, the trainers are also cartoons, I guess, in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, you know, he comes, Ash comes up against a lot of people who are Pokemon trainers. I mean, it's, it's the Pokemon series, the anime. Okay. I just, you know, it used to be, there used to be. Pokemon and then Yu-Gi-Oh on Saturday mornings. It was like Pokemon at nine and Yu-Gi-Oh at ten. All right, hell yeah, I remember. I remember. I, I'm sure there's. That shit was look, my I'm shit. I'm sure there's a fair number of our listeners who remember. I'm sure Delos is a huge Pokemon fan, and he's just. He, I'm he's, sure he he's is just fist pumping right now. Just like he heard that, and he's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, Pokemon." Fuck. Although Ash. Ash was an absolute idiot when it came to using his Pokemon, and he still somehow won. I never got like, like why do you use a Pikachu against an Onix? That just makes no sense, you know. Electric versus Rock, that's stupid. I, I still don't get how he won. Why are you using a Fire type against a Water type? You're an idiot. But yeah, that's just you know basic basic Pokemon science, man. He just doesn't know it, but somehow he still wins. So, so, so you're you're just trying to get in to be the least dumb catcher out there really like it's like you know not that you have to be great at it but everyone else is terrible so if i were to take over ash ketchum and be able to change his philosophy on not being an idiot when it comes to pokemon type matching i feel like with what he has and the ability to win already if he could just figure out that hey maybe uh leaves catch on fire so i should use a fire pokemon against the leaf pokemon uh, I will win more easily. You're trying to be the Nick Saban of Pokemon. Right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I could achieve that in a week with what Ash has been able to do over his entire lifetime, which I believe he is still 12 when the show started in like 1999 or 2000 or something. All right, Tim. Uh, another very on brand for me. I would choose to be 
uh, Aang, the last airbender. That was my second thing. He, God, that would be so cool. Uh, I just think, because here's the thing. First of all, that show is a fucking masterpiece. That show is Dude, so amazing. awesome. Oh my it gosh. Is. It's wonderful. I'm, I'm fascinated. And the comic books. Tim, have you read the comic books? I've not. No, I didn't even know they. They are, they are just as good. Uh, it, that show is wonderful. And I'm really, I'm fascinated to see the, the live action on Netflix thing that they do because it's the same showrunners. So um, I hope, I hope it's really good. No, they, I thought the showrunners already bowed out. Oh, did they? I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. So, oh, curses. Well, all right. Fair enough. I understand. But, what I love about Aang is that he obviously he's the baddest motherfucker like in the in the world, <laughs> so he's super cool and just you know kind of like I love like the just anyways he's awesome, but he's also super empathetic and really kind. Plus he ends up with the girl of his dreams, so it kind of feels like that's like the best of every world. Like like he's like the 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 Tim totem pole of awesomeness. Like oh you're really wonderful and you're a really kind person and empathetic and. And thoughtful. Oh, and you get to to be with the, the 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 hottest chick in your life. Like, wow, fantastic! I just, I would like to do that. That sounds like a wonderful week to me to be able to absolutely do anything I wanted with people that I like and be kind while it happens. Mwah! Chef's kiss, perfect. Let's go. My first girlfriend turned into the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really. What are you supposed to say that? That's rough, buddy. I, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, the the theme here thus far is Will achieving his childhood dreams, Tim becoming the best possible version of himself. Meanwhile, my answers are extremely base instinct answers. Quagmire? No, although that's not bad. Uh, you're, you're in the right ballpark. Uh, my first answer is that I wanted to be Jessica Rabbit because I just I just fuck myself constantly. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you? Honestly, like that's if you sound like prime era Kathleen Turner and you you well look like you were drawn. That's not bad. Um, I I know I I kind of felt like if people were going to guess for me, they would have guessed BoJack because they kind of talk about me like I'm BoJack already. That's not really where I was going to go with it, but I could see that. Um, I I I would like to be Archer. If I'm going to pick one, I, I want to be Archer because you're like... I was thinking about Archer. You, you, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like this super spy. You're, uh, you know, you're constantly banging the hottest women around you. You know, you get, you get to have sexual tension with cartoon uh, Aisha Tyler, which is pretty great. Um, and, you know, it's just the... You're you're also... Is, is he like a robot at this point? No. There's like... I thought he had a... I, anyway, there's there's just that Archer seems like it would be a, a a fun person to be for a week. Like I cannot keep that up, but for a week that'd be great. See, the reason I didn't want to be Archer was because he also gets shot and hurt like a fuck ton. That just sounds like it would hurt. Like you're gonna get shot. I don't know if you've ever been shot. I've never been shot, but it doesn't sound like a fun experience. I was really hoping that would start into a conversation about how you'd been shot once. Like, have you ever been shot? Let me tell you. I've been shot. Yeah. Tattoos around my gun wounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that just doesn't, you know, or stabbed or you know, that's just like, yeah, cool. I, you know, fuck a lot of girls and be a spy, but like I don't want to get shot. This that is how you know Will fun. is podcasting in a room that's not with his girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not sure that sentence yeah, would have happened right. the last two times when you were podcasting with her in the room. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, you know, Pokemon, maybe Brock. Maybe if I was Brock, that'd be fun. There you go. Best of both worlds. I guess Brock never got the girl, but do you know who Brock is? I, I, don't, I don't know any of the Pokemon stuff, so. You know little Brock? No From idea. Pokemon? Cunningham? That's, I that is Ash. the only Brock no, that lives in my world. The guy, the guy world. who has no eyes. He, he like dark skin, spiky hair. You, you're eye, trying no to describe a character in a cartoon I've never watched as if it's going to make a difference. The first gym leader. <laughs> oh, in a yeah. Pokemon okay, game. that guy from in the, the game. cartoon. You, you, you all never played the, the video game either? No. Oh, no. My daughter... God, uh, we are just two different generations here. Yeah. My, my daughter in the last month watched a few episodes of the sun and moon one like there's like a oh no yeah so that's that's the only pokemon 
world that I've ever lived in. And I was like, oh, watching 14 seconds one time and then All right. turning my head in disgust. I'm going to change y'all's lives. Y'all need to get a Pokemon. You all need to get an emulator on your computer and play a Pokemon <laughs> game. Like the Fire Red, <laughs> Leaf Green, Soul Silver, Heart Gold. One of those games. Play it and... It's gonna be transformative. You're gonna. This is this is a game that y'all need to play. What we need is a Twitch live stream of you showing Tim how to install an emulator on his Mac. <laughs> that would or get an old video, get an old, uh, you know, Nintendo DS or something, and play the game. No, no, I really want to watch you try and get him to install an emulator on his phone. On a, that would be that would be amazing. Just. No, 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 you double click. No, double click. You got to double click this time. Like I tried to do a BitTorrent one time and I couldn't figure it out. He's had viruses ever since. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Tim, Tim is not quite the the guys in those uh, progressive doctor like the coach, but with the life coach guy, the big doughy life coach guy. I love those commercials, but Tim's not quite to that level of old person on the progressive ads, but he's Oh, the 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 guy who's coaching you not to be a dad. Yes. Yeah, your not dad? to be like your parents. Yes. Like, yeah. He's he's not he's not that far like there's a scene or a little sequence of one of those where they go, Okay, who wants to open a PDF? And I can just see Tim going, ah, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't know about that. I can open a PDF. Good grief. I can't. I do a poor job of like of exporting a PDF into a Word document. That's frustrating. Not quite sure how. I also don't like how Google Docs Tim said that's frustrating. struggle to format. Like I don't how do you format a Tim, Google Tim, when Doc? was the last time you said that's frustrating? Earlier today, I think. On this podcast. I think earlier today when we were talking about the tech loss. Oh, you're right. So You're right. No, that was Johnny. But then you I think I think you I th- tricked me. That was Johnny. Johnny tricked me. Johnny, you bastard. I'm here's and but look, like every good 1980s kid, I I am the go-to for any tech problems with my family, and my answer is unplug that bitch and then plug it back in. And and have I told you the fact? I'm sure I've told you the fact that this one of my good friends from college, Rich Tischler, it's his real name. We call him Dick. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Rich Tischler, great guy, uh, worked for Best Buy for a while at their headquarters in Minneapolis. And he talked about one time how he worked um, as like tech support. And one time someone called in and was having a problem with their CD-ROM drive. It wouldn't open and it wouldn't open and it wouldn't open. So they melted butter. And poured melted butter onto it to try to lube it up. <laughs> so they poured melted butter into their tower to try to make it work. Uh, and Rich was like, "I'm just so you know, I've recorded this call. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, so yeah. there's a level of dumb that I'm not even close to. So don't don't take Johnny's words like that. I'm- yeah, no, Tim's not there. He, he's not that far. <laughs> he's he's not pour a pour butter into my desktop yeah he's not that level well he might try canola oil <laughs> i'm Avocado gonna spray oil. i'm gonna spray the stuff in there <laughs> just process. sprayed wd-40 inside everything for about five minutes it should be good now right and then the clothes that use duct tape all right y'all thank you for pretending we were football for the past hour or so i've been your host will Bazer. you guys can find me on twitter at w-i-l-l-b-a-i-z-e-r just going back to that last conversation, I really liked somebody's comment on Reddit that said we're really a variety show with a basketball podcast. I feel like that is a you know that highlights it. But uh, Johnny, where can we find you? I uh, find me on Twitter at bitter white guy or uh, once in a while manning the pretend we're football Twitter app uh, or Twitter account of at pretend we're FB. Um, I'm also on Substack, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com, where I will definitely not be posting this week because what the fuck am I going to post about? Um, but please go ahead and tip me on Patreon regardless. So, uh, other than that, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, once in a while I'll roll into Reddit and say some inflammatory things and then log off for a while. Yeah. Stir the pot. Tim, let's throw it over to you. Sure. You want to say some things or... 
Yeah, always. This week. No, always. Uh, come on. Hey. So, uh, yeah, at Twitter, Inside Texas Hoop, no S, and then InsideTexas.com. Awesome community. Come hang out with us. We'd love to have you. Uh, and I I, th- I think I'm at like seven weeks in a row of actually tweeting something original. I believe wow. this is week seven. I think one of the original reasons we got the Twitter account is because we wanted to keep count of how many tweets you put out a week. And we're going to put out a bot that like every time you tweet, quote tweets it and like has a counter. So we can count how many times you've tweeted in the week. My, my request was that we would have like an average so that we could compare and contrast over weeks, like plus 20% from last week because he's at <laughs> four, you know, like. <laughs> well, I believe I was at three yesterday. So just, wow. just yesterday I did three. You're a power so. user. Yeah. Woo. Three. Yeah. It was, it was. Quite a day for you, Tim. I'm. I believe my who I follow versus how many people are following me is up to almost ten to one. That's exciting. That, that is exciting. So not. For, it's not frustrating. It's exciting. No, I mean they. That's that's almost six hundred people who are going to be disappointed. Almost. Two, gosh. Well, how many hours in a week? One hundred sixty-eight. Wow. Probably one hundred sixty-seven and a half hours a week. Wow. They're going to be disappointed, yeah. but it's a good ratio for that half hour. This is going to be decent content, like mm-hmm. okay content. So yeah. that's kind of cool. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. You guys can find other shows like this on the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel you can find on any podcasting platform out there: Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Wherever you can find a podcast, you'll find it there. Thank y'all for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Hook 'em, Tim. Take it away. Hook 'em. So yesterday I was watching the game uh, IMG versus Montverde. That was a high school game that I saw on ESPN+. Uh, I think Texas fans are going to really enjoy watching a guy named Tamar Bates, who's a terrific guard. I don't know if I'd call him a combo guard. I, he's just kind of more of a guard. He's pretty fast. He's got good length. He can shoot. He's kind of a dick, which I really like. He's very smart. He's coming to Texas because he loves Shaka Smart and seems to kind of have his head on you know the right way and it was fun to watch but then i also remembered like why that i don't watch high school basketball very often because even when teams are really good they're just fucking bad when i think about things that are bad i think about will bazer's um beard it's just awful it makes you it makes you kind of sad to look at it makes you feel like oh that guy just could use a dq blizzard it would probably be if I could buy Will Bazer or Blizzard right now, it would most likely be um, either the Oreo Explosion or maybe like the Turtle. Sometimes I feel like he's got some kind of like a Turtle vibe. Like he likes because when I worked at DQ, it was for a very short amount of time. Um, I worked there for a while. I got fired because I was eating most of the profits. But as we were there uh, with the Turtle Blizzard, that's you know you've got the 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 chocolate dipped cone stuff. You've also got some caramel. You've also got some 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 nuts and so i think that that i think it kind of like sweet and salty fits for will except for with his beard his beard is simply salty like his beard will punch you in the face and and uh and hurt you if it can but i thought was one thing that was impressive about will is is occasionally he as he's working on the podcast he will find ways that he can go ahead and 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 look you in the eye even if you can't see him like he will stare directly into your soul even though he has no idea where you are or what you look like um and yet he peers right into you um, and speaking of getting into you, that's that's Johnny to a T. Johnny will get into you all the way in, as deep as he can go, as far as he's capable of being in, which really isn't all that far, tragically for him. And it's 